Welcome to Teach the Word. Thanks for joining today. Today's topic is going to be about truth. Um, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, I ask for your help to bring up scripture um, and talk about it. Help me to be a communicator of your truth. Um, use me in that way. Uh, help uh, me to think clearly, to understand things. Just uh, work through me, Father. And we pray, Lord God, that your truth would pierce hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So, truth uh, in the Christian worldview is a little bit different than you might find it is understood in other philosophical systems. Primarily because it's it's a person, um, and that's a little odd, I think, from other systems. Let's just look at uh, the uh, basic verses that communicate truth in that sense. Um, I think I'm in the wrong place in my notes. I am. Okay. So that's John chapter 14. Claim made by Jesus. Jesus makes many claims in John. They're referred to as the I am's because he says, I am this and I am that. And in John 14, 6, we find one of these I am statements where Jesus is claiming to be truth itself. I do think this is unique. I don't know there's any other system where truth ends up being a person. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Little trifecta there. The way, the truth, and the life. What is more or even more unique is that uh, John talks about Jesus <clears throat> as the Word of God. If you flip to the beginning of this book, that was during chapter 14 there, 14.6. John is also the author who, who states that God is love. Another radical claim, but specifically about Jesus, he makes this claim that, that Jesus is the Word of God. Of course, Jesus is God, but he's also the Word of God. The Word. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines out of darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. And then if you drop all the way down to 14, yeah. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
there you have Jesus, full of truth. But uh, that's that's uh, Jesus. If you have him, Jesus is the Word in the Gospel of John. He's the Word through through which everything was made. But he's also God. He was with God, and he was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So it's not much of a stretch of the imagination uh, to see that when Jesus is, John is recording Jesus saying, I am the truth, and John's recording that Jesus is the word, is with God in the beginning. Uh, there's a connection there between word, logos, and truth, word of God and truth. Uh, let's look at a Psalm 119. Psalm 119, oftentimes I've mentioned on here, it's a long poem about the Word of God. Every verse but one, I've said this before, contains a reference to the Word of God, written Word. But verse 151 is the one to look at today concerning truth. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Trying to show how the Israelite Old Testament believer would have understood truth. He would have thought that the law, the commands, every one of them was truth. And John, when he writes the Gospel of John, which we were just reading, uh, takes this idea of the word and communicates that Jesus is the word that was spoken in the beginning. And God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, you know, that's the creation account and that Jesus is truth. Uh, there's, there's a connection in the Israelite mind, Jewish mind, between um, the word of God as in Torah, like these commandments that we just talked about. You are near, O Lord, and all your commands are truth. And the uh, word of God that brought the physical universe into existence. Let's look at another poem to see that. Psalm 147. Many psalms show this, but Psalm 147 is my favorite example of it because it's really profound con uh, contrast switch. Um, if you look, start in verse, yeah, uh, how about we start in verse 15, this is God, he sends out his command to the earth, this is Psalm 146, 147, verse 15, talking about the word of God, he sends out his commands to the earth, his word runs very swiftly. He gives, and what is his word doing? Verse 16, he gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? So his word goes out and he, he, he sends harsh weather. Verse 18, he sends out his word and he melts them. He causes the wind to blow and the waters flow. Seamless transition to verse 19. He declares his word to Jacob his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not done thus with any nation, 
and for his judgments they have not and as for his judgments they have not known them praise the lord so he's the other nations do not have the torah that's what he's talking about but israel it's been declared to declared spoke it from mount sinai to them so you see this understanding that the word of god that orchestrates all of nature causes the the sun to rise and the sun to set the leaves to bloom the flowers to grow that very word is is the same as the word of god that came to israel on mount sinai which is the the uh the torah these first five books of, of our bibles they're identical and uh they're all truth the, there's somehow there's truth in what's going on in nature that that's a sense of of uh, truth and there's truth in the word and then in the New Testament John brings that about and says that it's Jesus so somehow Jesus is in the word itself if he's truth and he's in the word and Jesus is actually in what's going on in nature he's he's the sustainer of it he's the creator and sustainer we see that elsewhere in the New Testament, that idea of sustenance. Um, Hebrews, it's in the, in the beginning of Hebrews. Hebrews 1. God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So the two phrases there about Jesus are, he's through whom the God God created all things, or made all things, and through whom all things, and then it says it, by the word of his power. And then it says, upholding all things by the word of his power that's jesus upholding the universe causing the, the rain to come like like it's depicted in the psalm we read the frost to come the, the warm weather to come that that word of god's power which is which is his son that's the claim here in the beginning of hebrews from the verses chapter one verses two and three is the same word that created the world through whom god created the world through whom god sustains the world is Jesus. It's true. So there's this interesting, I don't think it's easy to grasp conceptually, certainly it's not for me, sense in which um, Jesus is God, God is truth, Jesus is truth. Truth is both the written word of God that we have in the pages of scripture revealed, and truth is both, is also at work in nature. Um, and there's a uh, sense that in which um, this gets talked about theologically, and that's the, the concept of uh, general revelation and special revelation. So what God has spoken, the truth about God that is in, seen through everything he's created, and uh, the truth that's specially revealed specifically that was revealed to Israel that was revealed to the church. Um, but I think it's important to see the, the, the backdrop. Those things are, that's truth, and they have, how they relate to each other is talked about in Scripture, but 
the, the backdrop to that is that the truth is Jesus, the person, Jesus Christ, who is God. And he's, he actually is the word of God. And that same word is the word that was revealed to Israel, was revealed to the church, and it's the word at work in creation. It's the word that created the creation originally and the word that sustains it. So, in one sense, the general revelation, the truth in, about God that's in creation is Jesus, and the special revelation is Jesus. Um, but enough said about that. Let's let's actually talk a little bit about the the relationship, or what more the Bible says about special revelation, general revelation in creation, and the special revelation. We're using those terms as handles: special, Bible, general, nature. Um, there's three or four main passages on this idea of communication of God being to man being in nature, the general revelation passages. Psalm 19 and Romans 1 are the main passages. Um, why don't we open up kind of to both of them. A finger in Psalm 119, or Psalm 19, and a finger in Romans 1. There we go. So, first couple verses of Psalm 119. It's actually Psalm 19, not 119, Psalm 19. The heavens, well, first off, this the superscription. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. So it's this, this declaration that the created world, the heavens, uh, are revealing knowledge about God. Same idea if you look at Romans 1, uh, or 19 and 20. What might be known of God is manifest in them. Them is a reference to, I'm not sure, let's back up. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what we may be known of God is manifest in them. So them, I think, is the men. God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So this idea that every man knows some things about God, no matter where they live on the planet, and they know some things about God through the word of God, not the written word, but that word that is at work, that created the world and is sustaining it, which is Jesus. Now, what kind of things does the Bible uh, say can be known about God in this way without the this, this specific 
of, of uh, the scripture. Uh, it's kind of limited, but we have, you'll see in the, in the verses that we're looking at that uh, it, it's, um, what does it say here? Well, first off, he's really powerful. If you looked at Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Firmament shows his handiwork. It's saying, somebody made me, uh, somebody who's glorious, because this is beautiful, this creation, and somebody who's powerful has the power to do it. So his glory, his power. Um, you got the idea in Romans that it's declaring that God exists, right? Um, See, uh, what was that? Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The idea of being without excuse is that it's declaring the existence of God. So that his, his, there's the power stated quite clearly, his eternal power and Godhead. That he's, he's, there's a God cause that created this, who exists, who's powerful. Um, but I mean, there's more things that are communicated um, about God um, in this. One is that not only that he's there, but there's something that's communicated about his, his goodness. We actually see this in a, in a passage in Acts 14, where Paul is talking about God to some people. I believe maybe this is Athens, is it? People who don't know anything about God. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. Acts is before Romans. Acts 14. Might be you should have just stuck in two passages. It's hard to flip and hold your fingers in two passages at the same time. Yeah, so, no, he's an Iconium. So, Paul's talking to, oh, Iconium, Lystra. He's in Lystra now. So, he, verse 14, these guys are, are trying to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas when they're preaching the gospel to them. They call, they think Bar, uh, Paul is Zeus. No, they think Barnabas is Zeus, and they think Paul is Hermes. And uh, the priest comes out, he's got an ox, he wants to sacrifice to them. And then this is uh, Paul's response. He says, Men, verse 15, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. That's the end of his little speech to them. But the idea is that God showed his, has showed to all people, all nations on the earth, his goodness, by giving that uh, rain, fruitful harvests, uh, 
filling people's hearts with joy and gladness. That's God showing his goodness to people through natural phenomena, rain, crops growing. And he's done that to all nations on the earth, even the nations that he didn't call. Because he called Israel specifically to be his special people who he specially revealed specific words that were written down. But all nations had this general revelation from God in nature, communicating, um, A, that God's incredibly uh, powerful, that he um, exists, that he's good. Um, and what else can we say about it? Well, let's, let's stick with, so that's Acts 14, just showing his goodness. But that he, uh, what were we saying? He's, he's, he exists. He's, uh, he's good. He's powerful. And, uh, the last thing that we see in these, the Psalm 19 and, and Romans is that everybody needs to worship him. See that pretty clearly in Romans 1. Um, because although they knew God, this is verse 21. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Like the people in Iconium. So that so it it's inferred from this that they ought to have worshipped God, all nations on the earth, but they didn't. Said they, they made a switch. They swapped out the the God that they could really see exists, that powerful God who created, um, that they knew was good, that they saw he was he he existed and he is powerful, um, and that they needed to worship him. They saw all those things in in nature, but they didn't. That's the point of Romans one. Um. So it's it's pretty uh, strong claim. It's a claim that every human, uh, if you look at Psalm 19, verses 3 and 4, it says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. This is, this is creation's. The message of general revelation, everybody and ever who speaks any language, no matter where they live, uh, and, and then throughout all time, uh, you see that in, in Romans, the the all time part. Um, that'd be in verse verse we read already. What was it? Twenty. Since the creation of the world onward, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power in God had, so that they are without excuse. So every human, no matter when they lived in history, where on the planet, what community they were in, has heard this message. But they've suppressed it. That's the idea of, of Romans 1. People have suppressed it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. What truth are we talking about? The truth of general revelation. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for the God has shown it to them. And uh, that's why Jesus came. 
Jesus came in the flesh as a man to communicate the special revelation of the of the New Testament to to his disciples who who wrote the New Testament a, a message about um, what to do about the fact that God exists and the he made the world he's really powerful and he's really good and he demands you to worship him if that's all I know what do I do how do I worship God how do I come to him there's there's a lot left unsaid that's the that's the purpose of Special revelation. They they work in together. General revelation points you towards God. Special revelation gives you the specifics about how to interact with God. Um, backing up to what we started with in this video, both are the same. Both are the word of God through the person of Jesus Christ. They are truth who is a person. Both this written word is and both what can be seen of God in creation. Because it's truth who created and sustains what we see out there. I keep pointing over my head here because the window's over there. I'm pointing outside. Uh, so let's let's turn and look at the uh, truth uh, in Scripture. The the word the word that became flesh that we actually have written here. This truth. What 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 do we have about the message here? We've done plenty of. I think on this channel of videos about the truth and the, the specific word of God. But for these purposes, let's just look at how it, it came to be. Um, it was given in, in, in to different, two different groups of people. The Old Testament, which is, which is the bulk of the Christian Bible, was given by God specifically to the Israelite nation, to the Jewish people. If we look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, we can see specifics of this specified. Uh, where are we here? Verse 10. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? It is not beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and death, good and evil. Oh, this passage goes on, but what... What's going on here is that he's talking about the he's he's reading the book of the law. Though. He's reading the, the beginning of the Bible to them, and he's saying, "Look, this is it. We have it. it's right here. We don't we don't have to wonder what should we do. How are we going? What how do we please God? How do we serve God? We have it all specified right here for us, and he's and uh, we can follow it. It's the idea. God gave it to us. That's what happened um, on Mount Sinai." Uh, Let's look in Jeremiah uh, 26. This is a different section of the same revelation. Jeremiah is what's referred to as the prophets. Um, verse 26, 
or in verse 4 and 5. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen to me, to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets whom I sent to you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not heeded. So this kind of adds a little second layer on to speaking to the nation of Israel, his, his people, and he's saying um, that I've spoken to you in the law that was revealed on Sinai. That's the beginning of the Old Testament. That's verse 4. Um, he says, perhaps, or sorry, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me, uh, to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to heed the words of my servant, the prophets whom I sent to you, both rising early, rising up early and sending them, but you have not heeded. If you will not, why, why am I? So, did I read four? Thus you shall say, if you, if you, sorry if I'm just repeating myself. If you will not listen to me to walk in my law, which I have said before you, that's the beginning of the Old Testament, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I set before you. That's the second section of the Old Testament, the largest section, the prophets, showing, adding on to that, that God has spoken his truth in the law and in the prophets. That's why I brought that passage up. But it's, the message is to Israel, the Israelite nation, the Jewish people. It's not specifically um, to the church. But the message of the New Testament is different. <clears throat> it's, it's for all people. It's given to the church for for men of every tribe and tongue and nation to hear. You see uh, in what we, we read in Hebrews earlier, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, that's the books of Moses and the prophetic books, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds. Um... Jesus being the bearer to, to his apostles of the New Testament, and he, he opens the, the audience of the New Testament up to the Gentiles, not just the Jewish nation. We could look at verses that show that, but um, let's not. Um, let's actually kind of close off this, this topic where we're just talking about the, the truth that's written and the truth that's out there by just saying that the, the subject matter of the, the written truth is, is, is much more evolved. It's much more, uh, there's more, it's more than just God exists. You need to worship him. He's good. He's powerful. No, it's, it's more of, uh, a lot. It's actually, let's just, if you look at it's everything that's needed for for living. Where's that verse? Second Timothy three. Yeah, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's that's the content. It's got it's got a lot more content than than what we see in, in creation, but its message and its message is 
Um, yes, it was originally to Israel and, and broadened to all men. That's what the, the parting words of Jesus were, was that, let's look at the parting words of Jesus, Matthew 28, that his disciples would go, people he had, he had been teaching, who were Israelites, who were Jewish people, he says to them, verse, Matthew 28, 19, all authority has been given to, I'm in 18 actually, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, 19, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the very reason why Protestant and, and other groups I think it's mostly Protestant that are involved in Bible translation, but they go all over the world to every ethnic group they can find and, and learn languages and translate these words of Jesus into every language to, of, of every nation to teach them the things Jesus has said. It's obedience to that command. Uh, so that's that's enough there. So just back out so we get to see the forest a little bit from from the trees we're kind of wandering around in, banging our heads on. So we started this, this discussion off, we're trying to talk about truth. What's the Bible say about truth? It says it's a person. It says it's the person, Jesus Christ, who happens also to be the same thing as the word, the word that's contained in the pages of scripture, but also the word that created and is sustaining the world. Yeah, you know, the rain last night? Well, the word of God, Jesus, caused that to happen. That's the idea of scripture. And that, that's truth. We see truth in creation, and we see truth in the pages of Scripture. Tried to really talk, uh, parse out what the Bible says about the truth seen in creation. Not really parsing out the truth about contained in the pages of Scripture. That, that's what that's the subject of every video is about. There's a lot here. Um, so then we'll just sort of close the video off by uh, trying to talk about how the two interact. How does what can be known from God in creation interact or relate to what may be known from God in, in the written word? How does the truth, which is one person, Jesus, uh, how, does it, how does it, how do we connect the two? They're not different. We've, we've already pointed that out. It's, the truth is Jesus. So that truth that's in creation is and the truth that is the word of God. It's the same word of God causing creation to run that's in the Bible. So they're not there's no conflict or contradiction between them because they're one person, Jesus. Truth. Um there's much the same could be logically inferred from the fact that whatever God says one place is is the same in another place because God doesn't lie. Um that's one of God's attributes, but let's not go there. Basically um, the idea here is that, uh, what I've said, and that is that general revelation leads us to acknowledge that God exists and special revelation the word of God helps us to know how to come to him, how to work, relate to him, how to worship him. That's the idea. I, I don't think there's anything else that uh, could or needs to be said on that topic.
Um, so I guess we could close the video out, but maybe before we do, just point out one thing that uh, facts and, and interesting things about creation are not really what the Bible's talking about when it talks about special revelation. Um, the Bible has an interesting statement in Proverbs 25. We'll just look at that. Proverbs 25, verse 2. This is Solomon speaking. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. That's Solomon speaking really about something he did while he was king. We just flip over to the book of Kings, verse 4. Solomon searched out lots of matters. Kings 4, verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom, exceeding great understanding and largeness of heart, like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite, Heman, Karkol, Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish, and of men of all nations. And men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. What's the idea here? That's all kinds of uh, information that you could find by using the scientific method. Solomon was searching those things out. But the point I'm trying to make is that's not what we're what the Bible's talking about. We're talking about this, what God has revealed in nature, because these are things God has concealed in nature. It's like the opposite. It's a general concealment. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, the glory of kings to search it out. God has concealed these things for us humans to search them out. Um, and so in, in one way, when we engage in, in sciences of, of observing the physical uh, universe, we are searching out things God has concealed for us to search out. It's like a child and a, and a father in a little treasure hunt. That's the idea. Uh, so, we said that, and uh, that's, that's it. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. He has created all that out there. He is sustaining it. It's God's word, which is Jesus. It's created and it's sustaining. And it's God's word, which is Jesus, which is in the pages of these scriptures. That's truth. And it's, it's a person. Very fascinating. So if truth is this person and uh, he's in creation, he's in the pages of scripture, how do we account for a, a phenomena of uh, where people don't, they misunderstand or they uh, misinterpret? They uh, say, well, I never saw that God existed in creation. God really didn't make himself clear to me. So God's claiming in, in the pages of scripture that there's no one, all men are without excuse because what may be known of him is revealed. But then you have men claiming, we've, you probably have heard, you know, say a famous atheist say, you know, God didn't make himself clear to me. 
I, I uh, wasn't clear enough for me. I don't believe God. He has to show himself to me. Whereas God's making a claim, I already showed myself. So how do we deal with that? It's uh, something along the topic of uh, misunderstanding. Um, it's a misinterpretation of what's been presented so that the truth isn't gleaned from it. What does the Bible say about misinterpretations? How does how do we account for them? Well, the Bible says more than one thing. Obviously, it, it definitely uh, affirms the idea that you know misunderstanding, misinterpretation comes uh, from sometimes from not having all the information that you need. You see that in multiple places of Scripture. It's it's, it's a very logical thing, but in, in multiple there's accounts where you have misunderstanding simply because you don't have all the facts. Let's look at the Gospel of John just to see one little example of that. Because cause we're going to John because the Gospel of John is where I want to hone in on something different about why misinterpretation happens. Uh, but if you look, 18, 36... Jesus is in a conversation with Pilate. Pilate doesn't understand what's going on. He's trying to figure Jesus out. Jesus says to him, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly for the, that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no fault at all in him. So that is uh, a hint towards what we can, uh, that's not an example of misinformation. Or not enough facts to not understand, because Pilate's interrogating him, trying to get all the, all he can, but he still misses the big truth, which is that this is the son of this is God in front of you. He misses that. If you read through this whole interrogation, you may you might sound like he might get hints of that, so he washes his hands of it, but he he, he fails to to respond the way he ought to. Um, that is to bow down and worship. So he, he, he pumps, this is a court proceedings, he's pumping for all, all kinds of information, he's trying to uncover every little thing he can find, and he got a lot of information in front of him, but he can't, can't digest it. Jesus is saying, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So you got this, this idea that those who are, certain people just hear Jesus, as in they they uh, follow him. They're open to his message. Certain people do not hear Jesus. They are closed to his message. And the difference is people are of the truth or they're not. Um, it's an it's a idea that uh, what is going on is uh, going on somewhere in the heart. Um, it's different from 
from what would be going on in the mind. Like I didn't have enough information. Let's actually go to where there is a real example here of not there not being enough information. John 4, 10. The reference I should have looked up. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is speaking to a woman who does believe in him, does go into the city, calls all of her friends to come and hear the Messiah. But she hasn't yet believed in the, in the narrative of the passage of John 4 because she hasn't, she hasn't yet realized who Jesus is. But as soon as she does get the facts, she believes. If you, had knew, if you knew the gift of God, who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She eventually does ask for living water. She does believe in Jesus. Unlike Pilate, who, whose response is, what is truth? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What is truth? He, he's, uh, he's, his response is totally different than this woman in John 4. Pilate's in John 18. And what's going on is people are of the truth who they aren't. Let's look at John 8, 43 through 47. Why do you not understand my speech? Problem of mis misinterpretation, misunderstanding. God is speaking through creation, saying, I exist, I'm powerful, you, all, you need to worship me. What happens with the, in the heart with the atheist? He, he misses that message. Why do you misunderstand my speech? John 8, 43. Because you are not able to listen to my word. They can't listen to his word. Why? You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But I tell, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. It's, it's about what's going on in the heart, not in the head. I mean, yes, it could have misinformation or you need more information, mental stuff. But when that information is processed, it's the heart. It's where am I aligned with worship? Am I aligned with the kingdom of darkness, spiritual darkness? What, am I under the influence of powerful, wicked principalities and powers that am I under a lie? Or am I in a kingdom of light under the power of God? Who am I worshiping? What am I worshiping in my heart? Am I worshiping the one true God? Or am I worshiping something else? That's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, this understanding from a biblical perspective basically just comes down to... Uh, the orientation of one's heart uh, in worship. That's basically it. It's because of who people are worshiping that they they miss it. Either God speaking in creation, Jesus speaking when he was here, or you know the church speaking today. When the church proclaims truth, people will react to it or they won't, basically because of what's going on in the heart. Yeah, so... That's all. Quick review. 
Truth is a person. It's Jesus. Uh, and it's Jesus is the word of God. This word of God written here, that word of God out there that created the world and you and me, and that sustains me and you and the world, keeps everything running. That word is truth. It's Jesus. And there's certain facts, real things we can know about God from his world, his power, his uh, glory, his goodness, that he, he, that we must we need to worship him, that he exists. Those things. This truth, the Bible, uh, going to tell us a lot, lot more about God and how to come to him, how to interact, how to worship. That's all in here. It, that that truth out there kind of prepares our heart to receive this truth. It gives us the opportunity to align our hearts to God properly so that we can receive special revelation. What happens when misinterpretation? Where the voice is heard of creation, but it's not accepted. The heart's not aligned to Jesus. It's aligned to something else. Worship of something else is going on. So let's just close by reading what other kind of things the heart could be aligned to in worship. That would be sad. That would prevent one from coming to the special revelation and learning more about God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. This is Romans 1, starting in verse 18. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, who, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's a long list, and it's, it's somewhat of a progressive three-stage thing. That's what people are worshiping. If, if One's heart is wrapped around anything on that list, then they miss it. They will, they will miss it. They will misinterpret because their heart is oriented towards what do we have here? Uh, covetousness, sexual immorality, uh, backbiter, gossip. Hearts wrapped around one of those things. That message that God is speaking, whether in the word or in nature, 
is going to be misinterpreted. Only when the heart is oriented towards God, when those things are, are forsaken, confessed as sin and, and crying out to God for help, and heart is wrapped around God, will the message be heard, rightly heard, rightly understood, and transformation of a heart happen, and the ability to come to Scripture from a right posture, to be submitted to it, to want to learn from it, to want to serve God through it. As long as the heart's wrapped around any of those things on that list, the message is going to be rejected, not heard or misunderstood. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cry out to you for our nation, for our friends, for all the people on this earth, Lord God, who do not know you, who are, in effect, suppressing the truth of God in unrighteousness. Lord God, we cry out to you for mercy. You would change hearts because you are the one who is in the business of changing hearts. She would turn people's hearts away from those things, those idols. That they would cast down those idols and they would turn and wrap their hearts around you, Lord God, and they'd be free to see with, with real spiritual sight, to see the lie of, of, the, of those things that the heart is wrapped around, the empty promise of the things the heart is wrapped around, and to see the real promise of you. Open eyes, open hearts, Lord God, and move men and women towards you. We cry out to you for the souls of many sons and daughters on this earth. And we cry out to you, Lord God, that you would pour out your spirit on this earth in a spirit of repentance that, that across the globe, in America, uh, in, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, in Australia, uh, all, all the continents, Lord God, north and south, east and west, that you would pour out your spirit and bring an awakening of souls, of hearts towards you. You'd open eyes that there would be many, many, many women like the woman in John 4 who, when they hear, they run and they tell others and they bring them. And Lord God, that there would not be hearts that, that you would just not allow there to be hearts responding like Pilate in in uh, in disgust. You know what is truth, Father God? We cry out, have mercy on us, have mercy on us, in Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs>